Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are so grateful you're here. On this episode, we are listening to a teaching from our 2022 Women's Conference. The theme of this conference was Faith Over Fear. These ladies were challenged with surrendering our worries to God and given practical ways to live out their faith in their lives, even when fear and worry try to overcome us. We pray that you are blessed with this message and that God will impact your heart. Let's listen in. I might have to um, have that rewinded and watch that, seeing as I'm coming and going. Uh, praise God. You know, uh, where did Justin go? He's walking back there. I, I told this little to somebody last night about Justin. Um, he used to come over to McConnell Middle School when I was a sixth grade counselor. And he'd come and he just wanted to have lunch with the heathens. <laughs> and he said, I, I'm just coming by. And that's the first time I ever met him in my life. Didn't know him or anything, but I loved him instantly. I said, anybody can love middle schoolers like I do. You're okay, you know? And he would come faithfully. And I can't, I, I can't imagine all the difference in the lives that he touched and, and the difference you make. When you invest in a child, whether they're zero to, to 18, or I guess it's 18 when they don't, aren't, aren't children any longer, you invest in the greatest thing ever given, a child. Don't forget that. Love them and know that even when you think they're, they, they can't understand, they understand in their own way. So be kind and love them. Greatest joys in my life have been to love on kids one way or another, you know. What a great day it is. I went home last night, didn't sleep much, <laughs> but that's okay, you know. Uh, the worry box was overflowing. I never had over 300 things to, to have to look at, but that's okay because God knew each one of you. And, and, in, and in many of those um, worries that you put down and the distractions and the things that rob you of joy and rob you of time that you could spend with Jesus are things that I know about too. I've been there, I've been through some of those. Some of them though I could never have experienced and I probably never will. And, and the one thing is I began to, to read them and, and look at them and see all them, you know, I, I, I instantly went in to let me fix these. You know, let me, can I fix these? If, if that girl was right here in front of me, I, I'd tell her what she needs to do. You know, and I just went on. And I mean, I guess that can be the counselor in me. I don't know. But, it, it, but then instantly, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit began to say, no, you can't. You can't, Rhonda. And, and before that moment, I, I was just in turmoil over all the things that have some of you in bondage and are heartbreaking, heartbreaking. I was like, oh no, you know, um, I can't go tomorrow and tell them, okay, I prayed over these and everything's fixed now. You know, I wish I could tell you that. But I can tell you this, I know the one. I know the one. My Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. There is nobody in that tomb and he lives for you. And because he lives, that an old song, we don't sing it much, you know, we got all these good contemporary ones and I love them. But over my mantle hangs the words, because he lives, I can face, come on, tomorrow. And so whatever your worry or your distraction might have been, and there were many that cut to the bone. God is big enough. He's big enough. For the one who said, I don't know if I can live much longer. Yes, you can. I remember saying those same words. How can I live with empty arms that can't hold a baby anymore? How can I live 
with the hurt and pain that this is bringing. I don't wanna live anymore and I don't like you too much anymore, God. But here I am today, many, many years later with a bountiful, I cannot, if I were to count my blessings, there would be no end to them of what God has done with heartache and hurt and what he has done and the joys. I, I feel bad. I, I feel bad that everybody can't have all that. But then again, you can have it. You can have it. God didn't say, this is just exclusive for you, Rhonda. You've gotten, and nobody's behind you. Because when I look at that line that's behind me and in front of me, of many of you that are gonna shake your head and said, amen, well, glory, I know those blessings, Rhonda. I've walked in those blessings. I know those blessings. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. When? When? And here's the secret to it all. It's not even a secret. When you fully unmask and sit at the feet of Jesus and make him number one priority in your life. That's when it can happen. And I promise you that. That is the truth, amen? Amen. amen. All right, hallelujah. So as I looked at those many distractions, I, I, it's hard to wrap my brain around them and so I just began to kind of write down the different things because I think in sharing these with you, and of course I never cite, share names or anything, most of you did not put your names on them anyway, but that you understand you may be sitting at a table with somebody that's hurting. You, it, it may be you, I don't know. But you understand that as women, we need each other. My old buddy, Steve Sexton, anybody know him? Gets his beautiful wife over here. I said to him, I said, boy, I'm so excited about that men's conference. I just wish it was longer. It's only one night. He said, oh, Rhonda, Lord, we couldn't do but one night. We ain't like you women. We can't come one night and do all that and sit still and then come back the next day and have to, have to sit still again. <laughs> what an insight into the difference between men and women, right? We could, let's face it, ladies, we could sit here all day if we had each other talking and yakking, couldn't we? I love it when I walk upon a group of women and there's four conversations going with eight women. <laughs> and I don't know, and there's one lady, I don't know who she's, she's looking back and forth and I'm thinking, she is confused. But that's the way it goes. You know, we're just, we are social people, most of us. And even you that are introverted, you know, in your hearts, you need each other. There's an old song, who used to sing it? Oh my goodness. People need the Lord and people need each other, and that is so true. We need the Lord, but we need the fellowship of the believer. We need one another, and there is nothing in the world. I treasure, I know lots of people, and I've known lots of friends, but the ones that I love the most, I don't know, I can't say that, because I love everybody the same. Well, maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, there, there, there is, I love everybody. I may not like some people, but I love them. But what I'm saying is those are the, the one, most wonderful friends. I have a friend right now, Miss Pat Ball. Pat, I love you. I know you see me. I know you looked at the, she said, I looked at the back of your head last night before you got up to speak. She's always here. She's always sitting at my table and she's in uh, <clears throat> Blowing Rock, North Carolina. And she's one of the godliest women I've ever known in my life. And I, I listen to her and I call her when I'm down and she already knows it. One day last week, I wake up to look at my phone and on it is, Holy Spirit says to pray for Rhonda, she's under attack. Now, that's not the Lord. That's the kind of friends you need. You don't need the ones that say, let's go to the bar and get a glass of wine or let's do this or let's do that. No, you need somebody that's gonna steer you 
and steer you and take you back to the one who loves you most of all. That's real love. That's real friendship. And some of you, that was one thing, you're lonely. You want people to be, you want friends. There was loneliness in that worry box. Many of you are holding on to the past and you feel like you're a failure and you cannot forgive yourself. I've walked that road, I know what it's mean. Means to blame yourself for something that you couldn't control. You gotta let go of that past. And you're not failing now. <laughs> you're not failing now. You're not. Many of you began a walk of life last night when you walked down here and you put that in the box. Remember I told you how I let my children do that at school and the difference that it made in their little lives and I'd see them the next day or they'd come back to visit me for their next appointment and they were different kids altogether because they'd got it out. They'd finally let somebody know what that was distracting them and worrying them. That's what you did. You began that last night. Don't be afraid to tell somebody. God doesn't put anybody in your life that's his by accident. So if you find some religious nut like Rhonda sitting next to you, it is not by accident. It is by God's hand. I love it, I love it, I love it. Uh, Tamara, where's Tamara you and you, you, where's Tamara, raise your hand. Tamara and Chad set a couple of seats in front of us for many Sundays and I would watch them. I'd watch their love for one another and they had the cutest little baby you ever seen in your life. Well, maybe not as cute as mine, but you know, we're close. <laughs> But the cute, one of the cutest little babies, and I watched that little girl and brought back so many memories, and precious little baby girl, and she just loved him. And she'd get excited, and she'd, ooh, she'd just squeal, you know, and it was precious, and I loved it. And one day, I had the courage to ask them what their names were, you know, and said, God's glad they were here, and asked them their names, and just blessed the socks off of me. She said, well, well I'm Tamara, and my husband is Chad. Now, who knows why that would mean something to me? Why would that mean something to me? Because one of my baby girls is right there. The other one's right here. My baby girl's name is Tamara. So Tamara, meet Tamara. And if you get your husband Chad together, he can meet Tamara's husband Chad. <laughs> and, and I said something to y'all about coming and your, and your sweet, is Riley here? Riley, there you are. I said something about y'all coming and listening to this old woman talk. I'm so glad. See God, that wasn't by accident. The divine moments of a night not too far from Christmas and I visited with a neighbor whose heart had been broken. And then when she came to the door, her face was swollen from crying. I had no clue. I said, oh man, I've interrupted something. Before I left her house, I prayed with her. And I think the next day she'd registered for the conference. And she sits here tonight, I mean this afternoon, this morning, what is it? And she's with us and she brought friends. I started not, I'm telling this because I want you not, I want you to brag on Rhonda. I want you to see how Jesus is real and he cares about the little things in your life. He cares about the neighbor this way and the neighbor that way and the neighbor down the hill that can't get their trash out of the road half the time. Their trash is everywhere in the trash can and I love them and I stop and pick it up and put it in the trash for them. <laughs> and I pray for them and I love them and, and he cares, he puts you where you, I was so excited when I got to move out there in the country because I couldn't wait for the neighbors to get to see who I could pray for. God puts you where you are supposed to do. He cares about those worries and those distractions, but you can't do those kind of things if you are so worried and so distracted 
God can't use you because you are wrapped up in everything about you. And there is not, and I don't mean, that, there, are, there are some of you tonight, I know you battle clinical depression, clinical anxiety, you battle mental health issues and you, you need professional help and you seek professional help. And I got a great counselor in the family. Uh, my niece is a, is a Christian counselor. I hear her stories, how she shares with me all the th heart, heartache that she sees and I'm so glad she's there to help. You, there is a place when you need that. But I wanna tell you, you get that help, but then you add Jesus to the mix because he is the creator of all of them. I love that Luke was a doctor in the gospels. I hadn't even got to my notes, Jennifer. What time is it? Okay. You, he, he's a doctor and that just tells me that, that, that Jesus cared about doctors. He let one of them write his gospel story. So doctors and psychiatrists and therapists and all of those are there for a reason. Be sure you get the right ones to help you, okay? But if you are bound in all these distractions, can't forgive yourself, family issues, broken families, broken marriages, worrying about children, will they ever know Jesus? Salvation for my, my, for my children, salvation for my grandchildren. I am not worthy. These are just some categories here. I am not enough. I am unhappy. I am sick. I am struggling with health issues. I am struggling with mental health issues. I am struggling. I am an alcoholic and nobody knows it. That wasn't just one time, that was many times. I'm struggling with things that are binding me that I don't have time to spend with him. I love it when Jesus gets it right. You see, he wrote those notes. He knew who'd sit in a chair. I didn't. He knew, he knows your story, remember? You, you may be sitting next to the woman who wrote the elf on the shelf and is about the prettiest thing I ever know. And you think she's got it all together, but she's got her story too. We all got our stories. And the greatest thing of all is that Jesus Christ knows your story. He knows your story like no other. Need, no, I need a relationship with God. Want to be closer to God. Finances are worrying me to death. These are just some of the things, guys. I'm worried about my weight. I'm worried about my health. And this one really gets me. I think I've said it already. I'm lonely. Hey, if you're lonely, get my number before you leave. I wanna go to lunch with you. I don't want you to be lonely ever again. I don't want you to think you don't have a friend ever again. That one breaks my heart because I've dealt with so many children who were like that. And you grown, you need to be loved and you don't have to be alone. You're worried about the future. Many of you are worried about this world and amen I am too. And what's gonna happen in this world I'm looking for the eastern sky to bust wide open. And him to say, come on home. But I wanna say, Jesus, don't come too soon. Cause I want my loved ones to all know you and walk right down the path that they need to walk. But you know, even after I'm gone and long after I'm gone, my prayers and the legacy of God that I left behind will still be working.
I know that because when they laid my husband's mother to rest at her, at her funeral, she had, gave birth to 10 children. They were all living. They were all at her funeral. And the pastors, the two pastors who preached her funeral, she was a godly woman. But she lived with great sadness because of her children. And they said anytime they saw her, the first thing that came out of her mouth is, please pray for my children. They're not living for Jesus. Please pray for my children. And she died not knowing what was gonna happen to her children. And I live with one every day. And next, in July, I'll be with him 50 years. And I love him with all my heart. And if you've heard me speak, you probably know. I prayed over 20 years for him just to go to church with me. She doesn't know that today he stirs my heart. He puts his hand on my head yesterday afternoon in our bathroom and prayed over me. She didn't get to see that. But I believe her prayers were a part of that. And they live on long after she has been gone. So you may not see everything that you had on your worry list, but listen, who does see it? And that is God. And your prayers are never, ever, ever wasted. They're never wasted. So don't forget that. All right, so we brought those worries and we brought those distractions and we put them in the worry box. So now we gotta start the healing process. We gotta know what we got to do to fight, to fight. And the greatest thing of all is the greatest fighter for you puts the gloves on and gets in the ring and you can just cheer him on and that's Jesus. He says, I will fight for you. I will fight for you. And when you cannot fight, he will fight for you. Don't forget that. So last night we unmasked and we got to those many things that rob us of a closer commitment to God. And we learned from Martha that Jesus knows us and he knows what we're trying to mask from him. Today, I want us to turn now and look at Mary. And Mary is quite different from her sister, Martha. Mary was different, one thing, she didn't wear a mask upon her heart. She had chosen Remember, remember Jesus said it. Mary has chosen what is better. Do you remember that? I wanna read those scriptures again. They're found in Luke 10, 38 through 42. Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted. She wouldn't have dared thought about sitting at his feet. She had too much to do. She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by herself, by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, when somebody says your name twice, they know you. <laughs> and when they say all the middle name and the last name, all three things together, they really got your story. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and you're upset about many things. He was really saying, you, it isn't just about Mary sitting here not helping you in the kitchen. You got all kinds of things going on. You worried about many things, but few things are needed 
are indeed only one. Jesus says, letters in red, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not, and it will not be taken away from her. What had Mary chosen? Let's talk about what Mary has chosen. Mary of Bethany, as she is called in the scriptures. There are many Marys in the scripture. I love the role that women have played in God's kingdom. If you don't realize that, it's not a man's world. It might seem like it, but God used a lot of women too. I love it. Some of them never got a name, but God used them. Mary of Bethany is so, she's a beautiful character and one of the most beautiful in all of scriptures. We can learn some valuable lessons from her because what I wanna do, I wanna look at two more incidents in Mary's life and Martha is in there too. But I want us to look specifically at the way Mary handled the situation. Martha was distracted and distressed with all that she had to do and Mary was right in the middle, right next to where she needed to be, right at the feet of Jesus. In fact, Mary was, I mean, Martha was so distracted that she actually, I don't know if y'all caught this, she's actually a little disrespectful to Jesus. I don't know if I could be that way, but yeah, we have. We've all been that way with our lives, haven't we? We've often done what he said, I don't know why they did that. If I could just wear them out, I would. That's what he wants. That's what I want to say sometimes when, the, when somebody, the grand youngins or the youngins used to, now it's grandbabies doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Anyway, she rebuked Jesus and, and she accused him of not caring that Mary sat at his feet while she did all the work. And I love Jesus' response to her because it gives us our first insight into Mary of Bethany, whether you realize that or not. Jesus commended Mary for choosing the better, which was him. And he, when he said that, Mary's desire is to be near her Lord. She's chosen what is better. What is better? Mary has chosen to be near me. She's chosen to be near me. And she's chosen to hang on to every word. And this is so much more beneficial for her than running herself ragged like you're doing, Martha. She's chosen me. Jesus' father said that choosing the better thing, learning of the Lord, learning of me, would never be taken away from her. Would never be taken away from her. And it's the same for you and I. When we choose Jesus, he will never be taken from us. They could lock me up tonight and throw the key away and feed me water and bread for the rest of my days. I'd still have Jesus. I'd still have Jesus. I'd have him in many ways. I'd find something on the ground of that cell and, I'd, and if it could be, I'd write on the walls all the verses that I know, all the things he said to me in his love letter. They can't take that from me. They could throw my Bible and burn it. They can't take it because it is in my heart because I have chosen what is better. You must choose what is better. By choosing the better, Jesus said, priority in her life is me. Priority is knowing who I am and priority is being close to me. Let me say that again. Choosing Jesus meant that she wanted to know him. She wanted a relationship with him. Jesus is relational, folks. He wants to interact with you. She wants to know about me. She wants to know my story, Jesus was saying. And she just wants to be near me. That's powerful, isn't it? She longed for that because she had chosen. 
I love that Mary was silent. We see humility. That's one thing. That's the first thing we really see. Mary doesn't say anything. She doesn't defend herself. And no, she don't quickly get up and go in the kitchen either. <laughs> She's silent. But she, she doesn't get mad or angry at her sister. She's humble and she's silent. And I, that's something we need. And I'll tell you, when we focus on Christ, when we focus on Christ, he becomes our greatest passion and our tendency to be selfish begins to dim and fade. Let me say that again. Can you get an amen? Let me say it, then you can amen. If you want this, you know what I'm talking about. When we focus and we choose Jesus and he becomes our choice and we want to know about him, he becomes our greatest passion and our tendency to think about self, it dims and it fades. Have you lived there? That's a sweet spot. When all you care about is somebody else getting there, making it, and knowing joy. My heart grieved when I read those things because I know you can know more than that. I know you can know more than that. I love it. Mary had found that Jesus. She knew him and he mattered and everything else just kind of dims and fades and her love for him begins to live out in her. I love that. Now, the second incident of Mary and Martha involves Lazarus. We found it in John 11, verses 17 through 46. On his arrival, this is a longer passage, but I like to read it because I think it's important. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I think Mary learned something. I love that, that we see that Mary's kind of getting it, isn't she? I mean, that Martha is getting it, excuse me. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again. And well, Jesus, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God. Hallelujah, she's getting it. Who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said. And he's asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly. When Mary heard that Jesus was waiting for her and calling for her, she got up quickly. And went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house supporting her and comforting her, they noticed how quickly she got up and, and they went out and they followed her, supposing that she was gonna go to the tomb there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, there she goes again. She fell at his feet. 
Can you see that in your head? She fell at his feet. You know, I'm a hugger. I've tried to hug everybody in this room. If I've missed you, please line up after the service. <laughs> but Mary, she was letting me fall at your feet. That's even better. I'll try not to do that. But she fell at his feet to be near to him. That was the closest spot that she could get. And she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She knew that. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved when he saw Mary crying and hurt, and he saw those around her crying and hurt. He was moved in spirit, and he was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He cried. Now, he knew. He knew the end of that story. Of course he knew it. But that tells me great things about my Jesus. It tells me, number one, he has the most compassion mankind has ever known. He loved deeply. And when he, he hurt, when they hurt, he hurt. Even though he knew the outcome, he shared in that response with them. And then that last verse, and then the Jews said, because they saw him cry. Boy, I'd like to be there and see Jesus cry. I don't know that it would break my heart. But when they saw him cry, they said, see how he loved him. And he did love Lazarus, but they missed it too. He loved them and he loved Mary. And he knew, there's a song I used to sing with Kathy. I think Kathy, for those tears I died. See, he knew that it wouldn't be too long down the road, not many, not many weeks, Jesus would be heading up a hill called Golgotha. And literally, he would die for those tears. He knew that. They had no clue. He knew that. So for those tears that you shed today and that you shared yesterday and that you will still share and, and cry another day too, those tears, your Savior knows about them and he died for those so that you can know joy and you can know release and you can know peace and you know, can know forever eternity always with him one day. And the best part of all, he's with you right now. He's never left you. He said, I'm with you all the days of your life. You know that? The Lord's prayer reminds us, he says, surely goodness will, and mercy will follow me. So I'm stealing from uh, Christine Kane, if you don't know her. Some of you young folks know Christine Kane. She, she said, look behind you. If you belong to, if you're a child of the king, goodness and mercy's following you and you can't get away from it. Look behind you. Woo, there you are. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And goodness and mercy, another name for those is Jesus and Jesus shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dot, 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 dot. When I'm trying to explain that to my sweet little tie that comes to Bible study, it's like the dots that never end. I think I said that to him one day. We were talking about forever, trying to explain that to a little boy. You know he's not little, but anyway. Isn't that something, y'all? Isn't that something how good God is? Forever, forever. 
Oh boy, when Mary hears that Jesus is coming, his calling's for her, she gets up. So great is Mary's love for him and her desire to please and obey him. She leaves those that have come to comfort her, those that are with her. She gets up and she goes. And she places and falls, falls at his feet and she places herself in the arms of the greatest comforter mankind has ever known. Jesus sees her great sorrow. He cries with her, even though he knows that sadness is going to be short-lived and that her brother is going to be restored to life again. Now, this is the part I want you to get. This is your part. In the same way, when you sorrow and you grieve, our Lord, our greatest comfort is going to be found in Jesus. Your greatest comfort is going to be found in Jesus who knows no end. His love and his compassion. And when you place your hands in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, you're gonna find comfort and peace and security, even in the midst of tremendous sadness. And I know a mama sits at one of these tables tonight. I have not had the pleasure of meeting her. I hope I will. Not so long ago, having lost her child. Find me before you leave, please. I have an old tattered notebook in a drawer. And when I want to look back and remind me myself of how far I have come with the loving help of a Savior, I get that old tattered notebook out and I look at it. And in one page are the words. This was about a week after we had buried my daughter. And I said, I want life to go by fast. I don't want to live any longer. I can't face another day without her. And I will never know joy again. I wrote those words. Hey, if you spend 10 minutes with Rhonda Chapman, you're gonna know I know joy. I have known joy. God took that precious child. He knew all about it. Life took it. Accidents happened. I'm not one that believes God is up there just having babies die and killing children. No. It happened. And he knew it was going to happen. But he gave back to me in many, many ways. He gave me beautiful, two beautiful daughters to love, seven grandkids, and three great-grandchildren and then thousands upon thousands of children that I have known. He said, boy, I'm gonna show her. I'm gonna show her. She will know great joy. And so if anybody says, come speak, um, do you have any cards, do you have anything to send me about your ministry? I say, my ministry is called Joy Keeper. And that's something. The woman who said, I'll never know joy again. My ministry is called Joy Keeper Ministry because I feel I'm responsible for doing that, keeping the joy of the Lord alive because the joy of the Lord, even in great sorrow and grieving tremendously, is going to be your strength. It's going to be what pulls you through. Amen, amen. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy will come again. Joy will come again, my children. My beloved, my sisters, joy will come again. If you were there, it will come again. The third and final time we see Mary of Bethany is just days before Jesus is going to be crucified. 
John 12, one through eight, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus's honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. He'd come up out of that grave. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was the one that was gonna later betray him, he objected. Hey, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was about a a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was a keeper of the money bag and he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. They were clueless. But Mary wasn't. You see, Mary, I love this, guys, because you may not realize this. Mary had sat at his feet many times. And every time Jesus came around, I know this, it isn't in the Bible. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Okay, whatever. I know this. I'm pulling this together. Rhonda's a storyteller. Because every chance Mary got, she went to the revivals that Jesus did. When he sat on the mountainside and teached the multitude, I guarantee you Mary of Bethany was there. She listened to what he said. It mattered to her. She cared. She wanted to walk the walk with Jesus Christ. So she had heard when he said, hey, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna be crucified. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna do all these things. I'm gonna leave y'all for a while. And, and those 12 men, and I love them, believe me. I, know, I love Judas too, even though Judas messed up. He messed up big. Breaks my heart that he messed up. But those disciples followed him everywhere. And you know what they were doing when he was talking about that story? And you find that story in Mark. They were, got, they were bickering about who was gonna be first in the kingdom of heaven and who's gonna get to sit next to Jesus. And they missed it. It caught them by surprise when it all happened. It didn't catch Mary by surprise because she'd already got that expensive perfume for the one she loved so much. Because you did that kind of thing when they were getting ready to die. Burial, you know. And she was doing it beforehand. She loved him so much. She'd heard him. She knew it. While the disciples, they'd missed that important truth. Mary hadn't missed it. She didn't let herself get distracted. She was listening to him. She was hearing him. How often do you and I miss spiritual truths because we're overly focused on ourselves and we're overly concerned with what we're gonna get out of a situation or how we're gonna get even with somebody or something and who we're gonna get to sit by. We're thinking about all those things. Y'all with me, amen? Thumb pointing back to Rhonda, you know what that means. We've all been there every day. I say, Lord, let Rhonda be crucified so that you can live. Let Rhonda be crucified so that you can live because Rhonda will raise her head and try to think she's somebody when she ain't nobody. You got me? I want him to reign in my life. That's what I want you to see. Amen. I love it because here's Mary, a settled conviction and a confidence in her Lord so much that she doesn't even feel the need to defend herself. She doesn't say a word. She don't say, it's all right, I say it was saving all that money. You don't gotta worry about it. She didn't say that. 
She didn't care what people were thinking. Mary unmasked what was important to her is that she sit at the feet of Jesus and she make him her number one priority. Her priority was that she wanted to understand him. She had a passion for him and she had a faith in his plan for her life. Three times we have seen Mary, and I'm getting ready to close. Three times we've seen Mary. She's at his feet. First time she's at his feet listening, right? The second time, and that's where some of you got to get. You ain't got to that one yet. You hadn't really got to just listening to him. Mary, first time we see her, she's at his feet listening. The second time we see her in the word of God, she's at his feet grieving. All her sorrow and all her pain. She's giving to him. Many of you have got to do that. You can't fix it. You can't raise the dead. Oh, if we could. And if your love could have saved them, they'd still be here. But Jesus is there for you now. And the plan is so much bigger than you and I could even begin to understand. Second time we find her grieving. Where? At the feet of Jesus. And the final time we see her, just days before he would give his life, she's anointing him. She's anointing him. And what is she doing? She is paying him the highest honor of devotion and respect. She's praising him in a way with her hands. Wouldn't that have been something to have rubbed your hands on the feet of Jesus? Mary knew that. And she took every moment that she had to spend with Jesus. Because remember what he said? She's not going to always have me. Earthly here. But oh yeah, she's going to always have him. We know that. Because he sends that precious gift of the Holy Spirit. I love that. So three times we see that. Mary had learned, learned that when you're struggling, when you nod your little heads, we were all struggling. You go to the best source first. And who is that? Jesus. She'd also learned that she could tell Jesus anything. You have that kind of audience with him. He's a strong God. After all, he wants to see you unmasked. He doesn't get upset or offended. You are not gonna shock him. He's heard it all. When you come to him in the middle of an emotional breakdown and you can't take it anymore, he's there knowing you can take it with him. In fact, he adores you and he longs to hear you, anything that you about anything you're facing. He's your perfect friend. So you that may be lonely, he is your perfect friend. He will love you no matter what you think you might be or not be. He's approachable and eager to listen and he loves you so much. I wanna tell you as I close today, Mary will be remembered for her gesture of love towards Jesus. You know how I know that? Because Jesus said it. In fact, I wanna read the last passage, the last words that Jesus ever mentions of Mary of Bethany are found. You can look at it, I think they're both in, they're in Mark as well. But I chose Matthew 26, 13, the words of Christ in red about Mary. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, 
what she, Mary, has done will also be told in memory of her. Today, January the 22nd, 2022, the gospel is being preached by Rhonda Chapman. And we just talked about who? Mary, who said we would. And we would what? We would remember her. That's powerful. Powerful, let me read it again. I tell you the truth, wherever, wherever, whatever country, Brazil, Honduras, Haiti, Loganville, Georgia, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done, what had she done? Listened at the feet of Jesus. Grieved, gave him everything at the feet of Jesus. Anointed him respected him, loved him, praised him at the feet of Jesus. These things will be remembered and they will be told in memory of Mary of Bethany. This morning, I want us just to sit at the feet of Jesus. Megan's chosen a beautiful song, no doubt. We connected, right, right Megan? And, and we're just gonna think, and I want you, as you sit at your table or if you stand, whatever you feel led to do, I want you to be ready to lift hands up, to lift heart, whatever. You may not be a hand raiser, that's okay. You may not be a well glory person like Miss Rhonda, and that's okay. But you worship God. You sit at his feet, whether you're standing or sitting, and you let him know, I love you, Lord. I love you. And Jesus is gonna say, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten you. I'm so glad you came today. I'm so glad you took a moment to sit with me. That's what Jesus is gonna be saying to you. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for this morning message. Be with us and lead us and guide us. May we feel your presence stronger than ever. Set us free, set us free to go forth. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to stay updated on the dates for our next women's conference, you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook. For more messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to go to our website, greystonechurch.com.